This is episode 249 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are 8 Tips on How to Get a Good Night's Sleep in the Outdoors, and The Eyes Have It, Don't Lose Sight of These Three Things. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Guys, let's go ahead and jump right into the podcast uh, articles for today. The first one comes to us from PreppersWill.com. And again, the title is 8 Tips on How to Get a Good Night's Sleep in the Outdoors. Getting back to nature is one of the last remaining pleasures we as Americans can all agree on. The great outdoors, however, is not a place to be taken lightly. Every year, campers tragically die in situations that could have been easily avoided. Thankfully, this is rare. What's more common is that every year, countless campers endure nights of terrible sleep thanks to poor preparation. Staying alive or just staying comfortable in the wilderness is all down to how prepared you are to handle the elements, both materially and mentally. A good night's rest is all about staying warm and dry. Below, we take a look at some tried and tested advice on how you can achieve this. Some of these tips will help you sleep better, and some might just save your bacon. Get your bag sorted. Choosing what goes in your bag carefully is essential. This is Camping 101 stuff, so we aren't going to dwell on it too much. Just make sure you've packed sufficient layers of insulating clothes like wool and synthetics that if one gets wet, you have a fallback. And heed this next one carefully. Always bring extra socks and a decent thermal hat. Those extremities can get awfully cold once the sun goes down. And speaking of bags, choosing the appropriate sleeping bag is going to play a massive role in how well you sleep. If your bag is overly warm for the conditions, you may start to sweat, which will lead you to losing heat as the night goes on. On the flip side, if your bag isn't warm enough to start with, then you will struggle to maintain a healthy body temperature. What's the answer then? If in doubt, go with the warmer option. If you start to overheat, you can always shed some layers. That's what they're there for. Down sleeping bags are more expensive than synthetic bags. Yes, they do, however, keep you warmer than the alternatives. Plus, they are more comfortable. It's like sleeping in a pile of ducklings, but in a good way. The big downside of down, forgive the pun, is if you get those feathers wet, you could be in serious trouble as they will be next to useless until they dry out. So if you go down, sorry, this road, please ensure you have tried and tested stuff sack system in place to keep it all dry. Then use your bag wisely. A sleeping bag is is just an insulated sack. You just climb in and zip it up, right? Well, Yes and no. When it gets really cold out there, there are a couple of extra things to take into account. For one, if it's really cold out, make sure you are using the drawstring to pull the hood tight around your face. This will prevent heat being lost from the head of yours and around your neck. By all means, still stick your hat on, but make sure of that hood. That's what it's there for. And don't, however, pull the bag over your mouth. It may seem like a good idea to breathe into the body of the bag. Is your breath warm after all? 
right and wrong. Breath is warm when it leaves your mouth, but it's also full of moisture. And all that moisture air is just going to evaporate and lower the temperature inside. Always ensure your nose and mouth are poking out. Bring padding. I know they take up a bit of extra space in your pack. And for what they seem so thin that you can still feel each and every tiny stone beneath you. Don't, however, underestimate the role sleeping pads play. The ground at night is one big heat sponge, and over the course of a few hours, it's going to sap every last tiny bit of heat from your prone body. The half inch of insulation provided by even the most lightweight sleeping pads can be a lifesaver. In some cases, quite literally. If you have a little bit more carrying capacity, then I fully recommend a more substantial sleeping mat. For a helpful guide on what's on offer, have a look here. Prepare for a soaking. Even if there's not a single cloud in the sky and not a drop of rain forecast for the next month, still prepare to get wet. Firstly, the weatherman has been wrong before and he will be again. Secondly, getting wet is not all about what falls from the sky. There are many ways moisture can ruin your day. You could slip off that log crossing the river. Your water bottle could leak. Morning dew can easily drench your pack. And your own sweat can soak you from the inside out. Have a dry set of clothes to change into at night can in some cases mean the difference between life and death. Always have at least one dry base layer wrapped up in a stuff sack in your bag. This way, if things go soggy, you will at least have some insurance. Don't for a moment rely on the rain cover that came free with your rucksack. Use it by all means, but be warned they often aren't fit for purpose. Most experienced campers will utilize a system of reliable stuff sacks and refuse bags. Yes, the good old bin bags can do wonders. Then dress for bed. Knowing what to pack is an essential part of camping, but knowing when to wear what is an equally vital skill. If it's a cold night, it might feel like a good idea to wear the clothes you have been hiking into bed. They are already nice and warm after all. This is a bad idea. Even if it might not feel like it, the clothes you are wearing are likely damp. If not from the weather or external conditions, they will be from your sweat. Moisture in whatever form will evaporate from your skin overnight, and when it does, it will lead to drops in your body temperature. So to combat this before bed, make sure you change so your driest items of clothing are against your skin. Again, base layers are perfect for this. Then get into your bag warm. Sleeping bags are great for retaining heat, so if the night looks like it's going to be a cold one, make sure you get into your bag warm. Go for a brisk walk before bed. Do some press-ups or set of jumping jacks. I don't care what you do, just get the body temperature of yours up. Be careful, however, to not go overboard and start to sweat. You might feel all toasty when you get in your bag, but as you, you were told above, sweat will evaporate over time and cool you down. Late night snacking is highly encouraged. Forget everything you know about healthy eating. When you're out in the wilderness and the temperature is dropping dangerously low, calories are your best friend. The more, the better. For your body to heat up all the cold air, your breathing it requires extra energy than normal. If your body runs out of fuel in the night, you are in for big trouble in the form of hyperthermia. Always have a supply of snacks in your pack. Energy bars are perfect, but so is anything lightweight and high in calories. Trail mix is also great. Personally, I like to devour a good handful of gummy bears to help me nod off. 
A late night feeding will kickstart your metabolism and give your body an extra energy boost it needs to stay warm and make it until morning. Then drink wisely. All the age-old problem of what do I do if I have to pee. It's good form to eat as close to bed as possible. The same is not true for your liquid intake. Try to curtail your hydration the hour or two before bed. My advice is to skip the water and juice and instead sip a nice hot drink slowly. Hot chocolate works for me. Limiting your liquid intake will reduce the chances you will need to face the cold and go for a pee in the night. If you do get that call of nature, then don't fight it. We all know that fighting the need to pee in the night is a futile exercise. One solution is the use of a pee bottle, but be very careful. And whatever you do, don't mix it up with your water bottle. Nobody wants that. If you do have to head out, don't try to rush this. Put on your extra layers, ensure you have your footwear on, and try to avoid touching the material of your tent. The last thing you want to do is get your sleeping layers soaking wet with dew. Well, there you have it. Eight tips to keep warm and dry and have a better night's sleep in the great outdoors. And remember, while this article has primarily been about comfort, each tip above can also help you when the poop hits the fan and your life depends on it. Be safe out there and say hello to Mother Nature for me. All right. Uh, And someone said here in the comments uh, that they like to use a lightweight sleeping bag liner. And uh, that just kind of keeps the inside of the bag, you know, clean. And so you can kind of, you sleep inside of that liner inside of that, of of the bag. And so, uh, you know, something to consider there, but, uh, you know, camping is a very, uh, helpful thing to do. You know, you get to go out there and you get, you get to practice, you get to try out some of your gear and, and you get to see what it would be like if, uh, if you had to, you know, live out outdoors or, you know, go, uh, you know, all the, the prepper idea of bugging out to the woods and all that kind of stuff. Although uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, that you shouldn't be doing that. But if you ever felt you had to or you thought that that might be an option that might be somewhere along those lines in your plans, then definitely going camping and going camping in all different kinds of weather because, you know, if you've ever experienced Murphy in any kind of form, you know that Murphy doesn't come announced and he does not come when it's convenient. It always comes in the most inconvenient times and it comes as a surprise. So, you know, you, you want to try camping in all sorts of weather. Uh, you know, some people just find that camping is fun. Other people is like, nah, you know, I don't want to go when it's too, too hot. I don't want to go when it's too, too cold. For us here in in Houston, I mean, we're looking at maybe possibly a month if you're looking for perfect weather, and that's if it's not raining. Uh, a month of you know where it's not too hot, where it's not too cold. But anyway, um, I might be exaggerating just a little bit, but not too too much. Maybe a month and a half, two months at the most. But uh, you know, uh, great ideas there and uh, helpful tips. And this will also, you know, I was thinking about. If the poop hit the fan and let's say you lost electricity or you lost power, uh, you lost your means to heat your house, these things are still going to play into part, just like he said at the end of his article there, even if the poop hits the fan, you don't necessarily need to be outside. If it's cold and your house is cold, some of these things would apply uh, to you as well. So uh, good advice over here at PreppersWill.com. And uh, again, like always, I link to all the articles in the show notes or uh, episode 249 over at the prepper website podcast.com. 
All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our next article of the podcast. Our next article comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You.com. And the title of this one is The Eyes Habit, Don't Lose Sight of These Three Things. This specific article is going to be talking about eyeglasses and eyewear. And for those of you who wear uh, eyeglasses, um, that's going to be something that you really need to take into consideration. Now, it's this is just not about people who wear glasses. I mean, he talks a little bit about some other things here that you need to con- take into consideration if the poop hits the fan, uh, you know, because your eyes are very, very important. And you think about it when you if you were in a poop hits the fan situation uh, and let's just say we were in um, th- that collapse, right? That collapse situation where, the, you know, you're going to be in it for the long haul. You're not going to be able to go to the doctor. You're not going to be able to go to the dentist. You're not going to be able to go to the optometrist and and go and get your eyes checked and those kinds of things. So in those situations, like your teeth are very important, taking care of your teeth, taking care of your eyes, taking care of your hygiene, all those things are very, very important. And so I think there's some great advice here. And then, you know, he touches on the fact that if you're older, even if you have good eyesight right now, eventually it will start to fade out and uh, you will have some trouble. Uh, I never uh, needed glasses before, but as I've gotten older, I need to uh, have some readers, right? And they're very low power readers, but I still I still use them. I still utilize them. And uh, uh, maybe at the end of this uh, article, I'll tell you the story on how I figured out I really needed it. So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get right into this article. Like I said, uh, the title is The Eyes Habit, Don't Lose Sight of These Three Things. I was in my teens when I jumped into the lake with my glasses on. Yes, they had glasses way back then. I had no idea how difficult it would be to function for the few days it took to get a replacement. There was so much I couldn't do, and I kept collecting minor injuries from a combination of generally reduced awareness of what was around me and poor distance perception. Folks, this is not where you want to be in a crisis situation. How do you keep from going there? Hoard eyeglasses like a squirrel hoards nuts. If you depend on vision correction, this is a critical prep, one that can save your bacon in any situation from just really can't afford new glasses but mine are broken to Tiatwaki, the end of the world as we know it. If you have a spare pair, are they where they're going to go with you if you have to grab the go bag and boogie? I absolutely know glasses can be expensive. My approach is twofold. One, I keep old prescriptions. They're not perfect, but are so much better than nothing. The most recent prescription is where I'm most likely to need them, my everyday carry bag. Older versions are stashed in other places, so if things aren't going according to plan, I've still got something to fall back on. Approach number two is to buy cheap. Since both Salty and I are half blind, we've got this one down to a science. Salty wrote a piece on it, and so there's a link here to spare eyeglasses, a prep often forgotten about or ignored that you can go and read if uh, you want to get a little bit more information there. If you're middle-aged but don't use glasses, you will soon. The lenses of the eye is one of the few tissues that keeps growing as long as you live. So everyone who doesn't die first ends up needing vision correction for close work. That can be cheapo reading glasses for you eagle eye sorts, but you'll need something by and by. If you wear contacts, have a plan that doesn't leave you with infection. I know a lot of contact wearers who get casual about their care when life gets hectic. 
keeping them in too long or not cleaning them well. Rolling the dice like that when help is an urgent care visit away is one thing. Risking it when there's no help available if you get an infection could very literally mean lights out for you. An eye infection is not likely to be cured by fish antibiotics after all. And have you stocked enough solution to last as long as the context will? In any case, a backup plan of eyeglasses is a great idea. No pair of contacts is meant to last for years on end, but cared for glasses will. Protect your peepers. As a medically oriented prepper, eye injuries are right up there with dental emergencies as problems I never want to face. It's not a part of the body where basic medical knowledge and good hands are likely to lead to a fix. It's a natural response to let things like safety gear slide when problems are pressing. But let me put it to you this way. If it was already an emergency situation, how's it going to look through one eye with no doctor in sight? This can be avoided by using basic safety gear when doing eye-risky jobs such as cutting wood or metal or shooting. I've got more than one scratch on my safety lenses from flying brass. So definitely one of those things that uh, you need to consider. And uh, you know, a lot of the times when you're dealing with wood and you're cutting wood, uh, maybe even just sawing, right? And uh, you're sawing wood and the, a breeze picks up and you're outside and, you know, sawdust gets in your eye and it burns like heck, man. And, uh, you know, that's just burning. But uh, if you can imagine other, other things getting to your eye and, and really causing some damage. And so it does make a lot of sense that you have some safety glasses that you're able to put on, safety glasses for the family to be able to use in a situation like that. It just makes a lot of sense. So uh, let me t- just share with you my, uh, my story on why I started uh, wearing readers, uh, even if, if they were at the low, lowest power. So when I was on the campus, I would do a Section 504 meetings. I was a Section 504 coordinator for my campus. And so uh, one of the things that we had to do is we would print out uh, the sheets that we needed to use. We would uh, fill out as much as we could online, and then we would print them out. And of course, we would meet with the parent, we would meet with teachers and, and staff members and all those kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, there was this one time when we were meeting and we were waiting for someone to, to show up. And, uh, you know, we we're just kind of small talk with, uh, with the parents until the, the, the other staff members showed up. I glanced down at the documents that I had uh, printed off and I made a mention of, boy, these look blurry. We need to get some really, we need to get better copies. And uh, the teacher next to me started laughing and said, ha, 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 do you want to, you want to use my glasses? And so I was cutting up and we were messing around. And of course, you know, I have this big face. I'm like, uh, yeah, let me use your glasses. And so uh, I wasn't going to really put them on because I would have stretched them out too much. But I bent over uh, or I closed one of the, uh, you know, one of the sides and I put them up to my eyes. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the, the pages that I thought were blurry, that I thought just were printed, you know, bad Bad, bad copies that were online or whatever became clear. And I was like, oh my gosh. And that really, really opened up my understanding of, of how bad my eyes were at that time. And not bad, bad, but to the point where I needed a little bit of help. And so, uh, you know, you can go and get reader glasses if you're uh, in that situation. You can go get readers. 
um, at the dollar store. A lot of the times the dollar store will, will, will carry them. Now, I will warn you if you're doing that, you don't want to start off with a high-powered one. You might want to go with the highest-powered magnification, but the problem is is that your eyes will get used to it. And so if you start off with a high-powered magnification, you will get, you know, your eyes will get used to it and then when you need to move up to the next one, you know, you're going higher and higher and higher because eventually as you get older, you're going to have to do that. Luckily, right now I'm on the lowest level of reading glasses. I might be able to go up a little bit, uh, but right now I'm okay and so uh, it's harder to find the lower ones, right? The, the lower powered uh, readers out there. Um, I've been able to find the, like the next step up or the next two steps up very, very easily. But the lowest powered ones, I was able to buy a set off of Amazon.com, right? So they had like uh, 12 different readers, um, you know, at that uh, power level for like, you know, 19 bucks or something like that. And uh, which was really a good deal for me because now I can keep one everywhere. You know, I keep one in one backpack, another in another backpack. You know, I keep one at work and, you know, all, all those, I, you know, one uh, where I read my Bible in the morning and, and those kinds of things. So, you know, I, I can spread them all out all over the place. So eventually you might get to that point where you need it. You know, I have my my sons have glasses uh, two of my sons have glasses, and uh, you know they've needed them ever since they were younger. And so, uh, you know, we know the the cost of purchasing glasses and going through that. Uh, you know, we're very very familiar with that. I would pass along uh, something that I heard Jack Spirico talk about years ago is uh, Zini.com or Zini.com. I believe it's uh, Z-I-N-N-I.com. And so, if you have the prescription and you have some basic information that you can get from the doctor or, you know, uh, whatever whatever you need to get. My wife usually handles it. You can get glasses at, you know, 25% uh, of what you would get if you went to the store and purchased them. Uh, a quarter of the cost uh, or half of the cost at least. You really get some great deals. And, uh, you know, they make it really easy for you. They have uh, the website where... You can take a picture of yourself you know, with your phone and then upload it. And then you can try on the different uh, frames and see which one would, uh, you know, looks better on your head and, and those kinds of things. But it really is a great deal. So you can, uh, you know, purchase ones that you really like uh, if you want to do the fashionable ones and all that kind of stuff. And then you can purchase some really cheap pairs if you, if you want to have some spares and uh, you know maybe to put in your bug out bags or your go bags or or, or whatever, but uh, that might be something that you definitely need to look at. And I like the suggestion here is always keep your old prescriptions. Of course, when you have kids and they're growing, and of course you know their heads are getting bigger and bigger, that really doesn't help out. But apparently, at one point they're going to stop growing, and so those prescriptions that they have, if if they're changing, then yeah, definitely we will be keeping those. And and really, they're at that point now where we can keep those older prescriptions and just kind of put them up. And uh, if there ever was a need to go to that backup pair or to have that backup pair, uh, it's there available for you. But this is something that we don't always think about, you know. Um, in preparedness, the sexy stuff gets. A lot of the attention, the bug out bags, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, firearms and, and, you know, building fires and all that kind of stuff. And all that stuff is important, but we don't really think about things like this, like eyeglasses. And, uh, you know, what would you do if, uh, you know, let's say you're just a, uh, you're always a contact wearer and the collapse happens. 
And it's one of those fast collapses or, you know, EMP. And I I know I don't want to, you know, I'm just kind of bringing out anything that would be fast, right? Uh, uh, You know how I feel about EMPs. But let's just say it was one of those in, you know, you had a set of uh, contact lenses that, you know, for six months and that was it. You know, what would you do? Uh, you know, in that scenario, you would, you would, it would suck for you, man. It would, it would really be bad. Um, you know, you do need to have, even if you're a contact wearer, you do need to have some glasses as backups. And uh, I think you should have multiple backups if you can afford them and start working towards that. Well, all right, everyone, that's it for episode 249 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Thanks for hanging out this, uh, this episode with me. I uh, can't believe we're going to be on episode 250 tomorrow. Uh, that's just that just seems really crazy to me. Hey, if you are finding uh, benefit from the the Prepper Website podcast, I do ask you if you would go to iTunes and leave a review. Uh, leaving a, a five star review is very helpful, but leaving also uh, you know a, a written review is very very helpful in order to get. Uh, the Prepper Website podcast in front of more people so that they can, uh, so the, just the algorithms and it's just the way iTunes works. It's the way that all the, you know, the internet works. And, you, you know, we're trying to get it out there for more people to, uh, to see. So if you do find value in it and you haven't given us a review on iTunes, I really do appreciate that. Uh, it means a whole lot to me. And I do appreciate those of you that are sharing out uh, the Prepper Website podcast on social media and uh, just word of mouth. Uh, it means a, a whole lot to me. Uh, if you get a chance, I'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Twitter, or on Instagram. I'm on all the social medias and you can easily link to those social medias from the Prepper Website podcast.com. And I've also started including them in the show notes. So if you're listening to it on your phone and uh, you just want to click on over there, you can, you can do that and we can uh, connect. I'd love to be able to connect with you. All right, so with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.